Echoplex Media is live Wednesday through Sunday on Twitch. Shows start at 7 or 9 p.m. Pacific. You can get our whole schedule at echoplexmedia.com. Make sure to follow us, twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Enjoy the show. You call yourself far from amazing. You call yourself a passing good time. You call yourself a hired gun. And you like to call yourself the devil's best. Amazing. You call yourself a 
passing good time, good time, good time. That was Sweet Haya's Gentle Lies, and I'm here with Nihel Abluhata. Nice! You've been practicing. Nailed it. I've been practicing. You know, it's it's funny because I've no... uh, Oh, you like that song so much, you want to hear it again. (laughs) This isn't live, but we're recording it live, and that was just a technical problem. Sorry about that, everybody. Anyway, uh, but what I was saying is I've known you this whole time, and I've... you're just on a first name basis with everybody. So like, I don't think I've ever heard you say your last name or anyone else say your <laughs> last name. So welcome back to local Thank love. You. It's you're, Thank you. you're the second to the last interview in this wow. San Jose studio. We actually have this band called the paranoid paranoid strain orchestra. I met them through a podcast and they did like a rock opera about, uh, about like conspiracy theories. And I'm like, Oh my God, you that's have to come jam. on, you have to come on local. Oh love. my God. So that's going to be, the, that. gonna be the last, uh, epi- the last episode oh, out of here, but I'm, I'm so glad I have you here because I've been, we, as people might've noticed, we've changed the format up a little bit. And when you see me doing the interviews, the interviews are with the artist. It's not an interview about your band, which you could go back and find several, uh, great interviews with several different members of the band the last time you guys came in here you set up and performed in here it was so much fun that was a blast such such a good time and um i guess you know uh before we get started like you know you're in three bands so uh where what are your three bands and where can people find those three bands (laughs) um thank you for having me david it's good to be back it feels weird to be here without the bands but um yeah so sweet haya is the band that you just heard right now um, my baby of 12 years with Devin Moreno, Kosuke Okamura, Ryosuke Sakurai, and Austin Geiger. Um, and that's sweet. Haya, H-A-Y-A-H. And yeah, we've been together for 12 years. It's going to be 12 years on August 5th. 
and our honor- honorary members are still Aaron Marcus and Josh Gardner for life. <laughs> and then um, my slightly newer band is called Grace and the Grit. And it's really funny. Everybody thinks my name is Grace in that band. And the um, band is the grit. And yeah, I'm like, nah, I'm the grit. <laughs> <laughs> They're the grace. Um, and that's also with Austin Geiger, except he's on lead guitar in that band, not bass like he is in uh, Sweet Haya. And um, Matt Condino, Adam Martinez, and Ryan Walker, um, a staple in our music community. So yeah, so that's my second full band, five piece. And then um, Austin and I, we have had our duo now for, I think I want to say like four or five years. Um, and we do a variety of things. We do a lot of our original material, some of it that we, we perform with Grace and the Grit and some of it that is more of like an acoustic duo thing. And a fourth project we have together is called Amour de Seine, which is a French duo. And we do French classics, a um, little bit of Edith Piaf, uh, a little bit of Charles Navour, all the way to like more um, contemporary jazz fusion stuff like Zaz, um, who's a really incredible um, current artist. And so, yeah, we got we got a lot of private gigs with that one for the French music. Actually, we got, we got to play um, Ryan Acosta's wedding because <laughs> they had gotten engaged in uh, in Paris, and so at their wedding they asked us to play it a little. French uh, classique. So yeah, and I grew up in France, so French is my first language, so that's why the connection with that. But yeah, and then for a minute, I was playing out in Santa Cruz <laughs> with a band called Jive Machine, which um, they're an instrumental funk band, and I was in love with their music. And they would invite me up to to sing um, majority covers that they funkified and a couple of originals, but I haven't had an opportunity to play with them this year. It all started like with the the storms and such and i wasn't able to go out there and record with them but we're still in great terms and i'm hoping to perform with them again in the near future well it's great you had talked about um having you know french being your first language and uh, one of the things that you've maybe mentioned kind of offhand on my show that we haven't really gotten into is that you're in fact uh, an immigrant to the united states of america when did you move here yeah um it's gonna be 23 years on july 21st that's my anniversary. <laughs> so you moved here right um, around the year 2000. Two th- exactly. On 2000, in 2000, July 21st, um, from France. But we were also, you know, we're like two continents removed even because I was born in Cairo in Egypt. Um, and then my parents moved to France when I was a child. I was a year and a half. So I really got to grow up in Paris and France and, and live there 15 years until I came here and... Um, and had to start high school without speaking English really well at the time. <laughs> so that was fun. <laughs> the first year was rough, but I made friends with this really cool metal band. They were like this metal band and, and a bunch of them were in my art class. They were called Bloodlip. And uh, I barely spoke English, but I was like, I understand music. And they invited me to go hang out at their rehearsal space. And I just thought it was so cool. It was the first time I was around teenagers that knew how to how to make music um and then they invited me to the cactus club i think i was i was 15 15 and a half i don't even know how i got into the cactus club but i did somebody nice just slipped me in um (laughs) (laughs) and i remember asking for a ride to my dad he was like "Mm, 
he didn't feel so great about dropping me off right in front of the cactus club seeing all the people going in and out but he had let me borrow his nokia and uh, i remember getting out of there i'm alive it was great <laughs> but yeah good memory but yeah so is, yeah. do you think that meeting that band is part of the reason that you're now doing music do you think that the fact that you're friends mm. your first friends here were a band do you think that had a pretty big influence on you going forward I'm certain it must have had some sort of influence, even if it's just, um, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, not, uh, consciously, subconsciously. Yeah, there we go. Because I always want, I, I always knew I wanted to perform ever since I was a little girl. I was like, I want to dance. I want to, you know, act. I want to, I was very vivacious. I still am. I have a lot of energy slowing down a little bit but um i was always that hyper kid that had to be in like three or five activities at the same time so that i don't lose my mind and um thanks my parents thanks to my parents who were you know kind enough to encourage me to continue to start playing music and um you know doing gymnastics and all that i was able to combine a lot of these things realizing like i want to be an artist when i grow up that's what i always said even when I was in middle school, people say, what do you want to do? I want to be an artist. <laughs> it's like, I don't know exactly what it means, what I'm, what it's going to look like. I went through phases where I was like, I'm going to do theater to, I'm going to be a sculptor. I even studied fine arts at San Jose State for um, thinking that was going to be my path. I want to do sculpt and paint. And then music was just weaving in and out of my life throughout, always. There was never a time where music hadn't been playing a role, but... Um, I always was more of a spectator of it. And you're right. When I met this band, I think being a really impressionable teenager and not understanding the language, but connecting with the music. And I wasn't a metal fan, at least not at the time. <laughs> but this still resonated. And seeing these human beings create a sound right in front of me as a band was was really because I had only ever seen that, you know, on a stage, like when I would go to a show and. I was really into reggae when I was younger. I would go to these reggae shows and I'd watch the artist on a faraway stage, but not in a rehearsal space where it felt so tight and closed, um, close to, you know, to, to my actual heartbeat. And, and it's like a spiritual and physical experience that's really precious. And I think the day that I decided I, I really, really wanted to sing, I think I, was, I had seen like um, an ad on Craigslist about, people looking for a singer for a reggae band and i was really into reggae for a long time and and i remember thinking like i want to have my own reggae band at some point um and i never never quite got to create a reggae band but maybe it's like i think it will be my project when i'm like in my in my 60s or something and i have time and space for more projects but yes to answer your question i do think and today is the first time i realized that that probably had a huge impact on me that my first friends in America were musicians, you know, and artists. So, well, I mean, when I've moved to new places, the first, when I'm like, well, I need to meet some people, Yeah, <clears throat> music, always music. Like I came to San Jose. I'm like, I need to meet people. I'm like, well, I've already met some drunks on Campbell Avenue, but like, <laughs> like that's, you know, that's cool. You need, you need those friends that you can go out drinking with. But I was like, let's, uh, you know, I kind of knew Randall, uh, Randall Aubrey. Randall. Uh, he grew up in Fremont like I did. So I was oh. like, hey, well, and he was in a band. So I started going to those shows and then I met some other people. And it, it turns out that music scenes are usually music. People are usually cool, like accepting. They, they, 
they're the, 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 it's the right place to look for new people as a music scene, no matter who you are, no matter who, how old you are, you're going to meet some people. And it's, as we get older, it is harder to meet new people and mm. make new friends. Mm. And I feel like being involved in a music scene, you know, be it for me, you know, when I was younger, it was the rave scene. And then here wow. that doesn't really exist. And so I was like, well, there's this, you know, thriving scene of all these different bands, all these different styles of bands that all play together. Yeah. I'm like, that's pretty cool. And if I, if I recall, I'm going to talk a little bit about when I met you, uh, James had known you because he had been a fan of your band. James was James! my roommate at the time. Hi, and, and you guys were playing at Little Lou's. Oh, wow. Little Lou's barbecue. And then I got drunk as, as I do. And then I invited everyone over after the show. That and I think so cool. all the band or the, either all the band or most of the band I came over. I remember that. Yeah. And that's where I met you. And I think that <clears throat> outside of people I had already known, you and um, Matt Harrison of Periscope were the first people I really got to like kind of talk to and mm-hmm. kind of get to know and, you know, just sort of kind of casually, you know, casually talk about things other than music and sort of, you know, shoot the shit or whatever. And that was, that was super cool. Cause you know, uh, watching, then watching your band grow and your talent grow and then watching Matt grow as a singer, Mike, mm-hmm. his hair gets longer and his voice just gets more and more powerful. Just it's all in the hair. Just, I mean, this la- this last album with like that that song "Boomers" is like it's too, the, the 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 vocal performance on that song is. Are we just, playing it on the show today? We'll we'll, no. we'll definitely we'll, we'll we play it. So that's it's a crowd favorite in my chat. Yeah, they all they all love the song. It's like the end song to a couple of my podcasts. Um, I feel like of the bands, uh, Sweet Haya, uh, NVS, mm. the Ruffies, and Periscope mm. have been the soundtrack of like oh. the the channel. That's so sweet. We're honored to be included in that. Thank you. And it's one of the things I think that people first notice when they get to like my channel is that Mm. like there's music going, but on other Twitch channels, it's like they're playing it off of Spotify or off Mm. some like safe to play music. Mm -hmm. And you might not even know what it is, but on our channel, if you notice on the bottom, the the song title and the artist and the little player is up so that people can see it and people look up the bands. Yeah, you're repping. Well, everybody well yeah. if ever if all these people are going to email me their music i'm not going to play it without like talking about it and uh, you know a lot of people i don't know if that's what brings them to the channel but i do feel like that the music might be one of the things that keeps people coming back because mm-hmm. they're like i've never heard most of this mm-hmm. the, and and then they find out that all these people are like at least acquaintances of mine or in your case my a friend of mine and they're like you're friends with somebody who can sing like that i'm like well <laughs> you could be too if you'd go out you know? <laughs> <laughs> come out to the shows <laughs> well you know most of our audience isn't from here but yeah if somebody you know if, if people did come to yeah. visit san jose which we haven't had any of our audience members do it and i think now we're getting a little too big for that to be mm. uh, maybe something that i would be actually comfortable with doing anyway yeah. but you know a year or two ago well a year or two ago i was in a mask it wasn't going to no shows but you know like right before covid if somebody came to san jose that was a viewer i'd be like well let's go to the sweet Haya show or let's go to the periscope <laughs> show or whatever. let's go have some fun yeah or come on out to the studio and we'll just have a jam <laughs> after the show. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So what was the first band that you were in that, that yeah, where you were practicing regularly and, and, and that kind of thing? That was Sweet Haya. Really? Um, I had flirted with a couple of bands here and there. You know, people you meet off of Craigslist. That was, you know, back like, um, like 2008 maybe 2007 2008 at the time i was super hardcore into capoeira i was obsessed with martial arts so i wasn't as proactive at playing with other people but i never stopped playing keys i was always playing keys 
um, you know, and producing stuff on my own. And then once in a while, I'd go and, and meet up with <laughs> random people from Craigslist, which is now I come to think of it, that was not super safe, you know. And at the time, I think there was a little bit less um, less madness going on on Craigslist, or maybe I just got super lucky. But I, I got to jam with, you know, a couple of bands here and there. I, I had some really great experiences, some really not so inspiring experiences. But I think that process helped me figure out what I wanted to do, which was my own original stuff. Um, Cause I, I tried out, you know, for a couple of like cover bands, got the gigs, jazz band, got the gig. And, and I just, my heart wasn't in it. I really, at the time was really dedicated to writing my own music and, and finding people who were excited about it. And I wasn't gonna stop until I found people who actually wanted to play the material I was creating. Even if it meant that we would re, re, um, uh, what's the word, um, reinterpret the pieces that I had written in a certain way, and that happened with Devin. Um, after we had met them, we had met in uh, um, what's it called, the Britannia Arms, which sadly closed recently in Cupertino. We had met at an open mic, and you know that story, so I'm not going to bore you with it. We told it on <laughs> on the Echoplex on Local Love like five times in the past five years. But, yes, you, yes, you have. Everybody go back and check out all of those interviews. Yes, that's fine. But um, I remember Devin coming over to my apartment like before we were even a band, and I showed him a song that I had written on my keyboard, and he was just like, wow, I really like that. And... He showed me something he had written, Diamond Eyes, actually, a song that we ended up covering with Sweet Haya. And I was like, well, I really love your songwriting. And it was kind of like a no-brainer, like, let's jam, let's let's hang out and 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 make some some magic happen. And that's when um he introduced me to Aaron Marquez. And then um and then Josh at the time was with another band. He was playing with Casey Wickstrom and um but we'd run into each other and so i'm at the practice place and he had started jamming with aaron and and um and devin and that's when i started just kind of sharing what i what i had my material with them on the keys and at the time i was not very theoretically versed i played by ear mostly wrote everything by ear and so it was really difficult for me to explain my ideas and it was it was really hard because I would play a chord that I liked and I couldn't explain what I was playing at the time. And it was extremely frustrating, but I think what really made me realize that this was the band, these was the, the guys that I wanted to spend time trying to figure my own art out with and create with were these guys because they were so non-judgmental of the way that I mis-expressed you know, some of my ideas. And they were just like supportive of the ideas that I came up with and kept bettering everything that I would bring up to them. And yeah, and then that was it. That's that's 12 years ago. Um, all the other bands I ever played with before, they're they good experiences that I think helped me get to the point where I could say, this is in fact what I, I do want to accomplish with my music. I, I, I mean, that's always evolving also. I'm never satisfied. I always want more. I always want to evolve and grow and, and and sometimes tweak things uh in my own songwriting or in, in in the work we do together with both bands um but i do feel like i'm so much more confident in in my vision my artistic vision and i can t like if i like something i like it with my whole body my whole heart my 
you know, every cell in my body knows that this is right. And when I don't like something, I, I just, I know that I have to let it go. <laughs> so, so the, that makes any sense. the other person, the, uh, the non on stage member of your band went, how did, how did you guys meet Gary? Cause Gary, what a wonderful guy. What a nice guy. Oh, I first met heart. Gary and I was like, what? I was like, I am, cause I'd met you guys. Right. And I was like, I'm so glad that they're hooked up with this guy. Cause this is a nice yeah. guy who cares about this project. There should be a show called everybody loves Gary. Cause that's truly, he is one of the kindest people we've ever come across. And, um, just to give a little bit of background, he was a huge supporter of the ska scene in San Jose. He is completely still. Um, and he would go out to all the ska shows. And um, I think I had either heard of him or, or met him through Monkey. And so oh, we had a lot of friends in common in the music scene. But ra Roddy Radiation from the specials was coming through the Blank Club, I think, or like somewhere in San Jose. And they were looking for for openers and they were looking for for bands and i think i either i reached out to gary or read gary reached out to me he will remember he has an amazing memory if he listens to this he'll he'll correct me um and he helped facilitate the show and i think it was monkey and us and and um roddy roddy radiation and the scabilly rebels and I, I remember after that, like he kept supporting the band and everything that I would do, he was, he was behind it, even though he didn't know me really well, but he just had this like blind faith in what I was doing um, as a band leader. And I remember thinking, this, this is just a good person. He's a good person who has so much love and energy to give to the local independent artists in our scene that need that kind of energy to thrive because you know what we do takes a lot of energy it takes a lot of like physical but mental energy and sometimes you get a lot of you know a lot of no's a lot of rejections a lot of a lot of um moments of insecurity and you meet people like that on your path that they're not just about promoting your music they're about promoting you as a human being and your values in what you do um the integrity that you try to hold within your art and he's somebody that i just resonated with on a on a very just human level and so although he is no longer managing the band i've i've been managing the band you know for a little while now um he you know he had some personal things going on and work and so he he didn't have the bandwidth um obviously if he ever wanted to help out again i welcome him with open arms but i just i would just want to kick it with gary i just love him and miss him and him and dawn and um his his kids and alana they're all like incredible people and they're just they're definitely like you were saying like part of the sweet haya family um just behind the scenes <laughs> well it's it, it's important and i think you know maybe it was you know for fortuitous maybe that he came along too because while he was there you were sort of freed up to do be more creative as the band started to gain a bigger following it mm, mm. definitely freed you up from having to do yeah. all the uh, we'll almost call it paperwork that goes you put along your finger with the band on it. exactly and and that was so liberating and and i feel his absence and i you know because um i i take care of the business aspect of of the band 100 percent 
and and I get help from the guys, you know, and and they're really good at hopping on things if I if I delegate if if I know how to delegate. Sometimes I need to I need to get better at that and and ask for help. But it it definitely is hard to keep a balance when you know it's like the music is the tip of the iceberg, right? That's that's what people hear, that's what people see, that's what they experience when you're on stage. Like, wow, that's so cool. You get to do that all the time. It's like ninety percent of my time is spent doing really not sexy things, you know, like um, from the website and like putting the social media together, making flyers, booking the shows. That's, that's really rough. Booking is rough because you get a lot of like doors slammed in your face. You get a lot of strange responses, strange requests sometimes. And you meet some strange people that own some venues sometimes too. Also, also, yeah. And, and have weird propositions. But I think, over the years, I've learned to say no, you know, pretty, I, I can say no nicely, but I can still say no firmly, which um, I didn't always back in the, you know, the beginning of our band. But I think the the hardest part, like you just said, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm going to reiterate the importance of having people on your team is that anything that I'm doing for the business is, is going to take away from the creativity, right? And and in order for me to still find space and time for the creativity, that's going to be taking away from something else. And sometimes that means seeing family, seeing friends, seeing, spending time taking care of yourself sometimes, you know, and you have to make certain sacrifices that aren't super glamorous, you know. And there were years where I, I you know, I felt like I, I was starting to get alienated from some of my old social circles because I just wasn't available. I wasn't around. I wasn't making the time because I was so focused on like, no, I need to take care of my music. That's my that's my life. That's my oxygen. And if, if I stop doing that, I'm not going to be around. So I it was important. It was really important. So and there's also a way in which just the Silicon Valley can be kind of alienating yeah. in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, yeah. I. I, I got lucky because when I when I moved here, I moved to the west side and then immediately moved to Campbell where it's like tight and everybody kind of knows everybody. But when I came out here to the burbs out here to the south side, I was like, like, this is I feel I feel like disconnected yeah. from the community. There's no there's no place out like like out here. There's no place that anybody kick anybody kicks it or whatever. There's a mm. mall. And I, I, I feel like except for a few pockets, I feel like the South Bay actually just kind of is that way. And it's really easy to become alienated, especially if you become super busy. But even if yeah. you're not super busy, it's just yeah. easy to become alienated here because it's just not, it's not a place like San Francisco or Oakland or whatever, where the, there's just more like community, I guess, yeah. in those, those places. Well, and, and San Jose is so geographically broad and, and, and spread out. So there's these little silos of community, but it it's in order for us to be able to get together um you know it takes a certain effort and i think there are great community leaders in the in the art scene at san jose that are you know and you guys are <laughs> one of them obviously um in because you're able to also bring people together that are you know geographically uh, on different continents but you know festivals that are like downtown san jose for example that try to um try to curate some of the local art and bring us all together you know and i i have a few i don't i don't want to list everybody because i also don't want to leave anybody out but um but these efforts these efforts are great but 
to me, it's always felt like we get super excited and there's these amazing moments that we share at a festival once or twice a year and we feel like we hella have a tight community and then you get away from that and, and you, you, know, you feel so in isolated all of a sudden and it doesn't feel like that, that sense of community that you experienced in that moment can continue to live in your daily life because of whether it's because we're all physically so disconnected or everybody's just hella busy in the Silicon Valley trying to survive, just like trying to pay bills and trying to, to um, simultaneously continue to work on your art and, and hustle. And everybody's got to hustle in one way or another. So I think I see the efforts that are being made and I, I'd love to be more of a part of that community change in providing more spaces for musicians and more events for musicians to come together to share that spirit of community and unity. But also I, I'd want to try and, and find a solution for the longer term that where it's not like a one-off one event where we have a good time and then there is a disconnect for six months to a year where, um, where I, and I don't know what it would take and I don't have, I don't have the, um, the organization experience to to have the answer but i'm i feel like there are a lot of people who are willing and interested in in doing this type of work in our community um i have a friend who's been really who's made a really positive impact on my life um it in the last year particularly her name is fizz fizza i don't know if she's gonna be she's probably gonna be listening to this um she had invited me and the band back in 2011 or 2012 to an event called Women Rising, where they were specifically curating events where they were trying to showcase more of our um, like women in the scene, in the art scene, music scene in San Jose. And I remember that wave of of welcoming, um, like like an authentic welcome um, feeling in that community. And back then, you know, they were really active. They were doing a ton of events in the community and. We were really connected. Then it ended. Um, and then this person recently came back into my life and has been not just coming up, coming to all the shows, but offering help in ways that would allow me to free up a little bit of my, my business band business time to do more of the arts. And I, I keep thanking her, like, you don't have to do this. I, you know, or let me pay you. Let me do something in return. And her response, and I'm going to paraphrase, she's, um, extremely eloquent, but her response is often along the lines of, no, like you're doing your art and you're doing something important for our society, for our culture. You're doing something that matters by carrying, and, and again, I'm paraphrasing, but like the soundtrack to a culture that needs it, particularly here in the Silicon Valley where we, we need to showcase the art because we are surrounded by incredible technology and companies that um, you know, are, are getting us really far uh, from, from a, a technology standpoint, but where's the soundtrack, you know? And so uh, I think that people like this are the fabric to our community and they're the reason why someone like me might stay in San Jose when in the past I've considered leaving because um, I haven't always felt super connected to the scene and... Um, you know, like I was saying, you play a couple of shows and you feel super, super connected. And then you kind of saturate 
the scene, and we were talking about this offline earlier with David, but um, sometimes we'll play a, a show, um, two, two, sh two shows in San Jose too close together, and I've made that mistake, and I try not to make it anymore. And then you'll realize, like, your friends are tapped out on your music. They're tapped out on coming out to see you and watch the shows, but I don't feel like there has been, like, a, a buzzing hunger for people to come out and watch shows and discover new music. Um, as much as I, as much as I wish I did. So I feel like if I don't get the encouragement or get the support or feel like there really is a connectedness between the musicians, the music scene, the, the fans, the, 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 the talent buyers, whatever, you know, the, the, the festival organizers, if that is a temporary connection for one off events, it makes it hard for people like me to feel like I really want to stick around until somebody comes along and says, what you do matters. And that's why this show, Local Love, has meant a lot to me because you guys keep coming back every year with like bigger, better, more badass content and setups and give your musicians, give the artists, give your guests a kind of respect and, 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 feeling of welcome and, and sometimes that, uh, sometimes uh, sometimes a, a cocktail that's a little too strong yes like <laughs> so, this one right here there's, that's boba there's two <laughs> there's two directions i want to go here i think the first direction i want to go and i've been asking uh people about this both in interviews and just sort of when i've been having conversations with uh, people that are friends of mine in the scene one of the things that i think is missing is the 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 young bands where are all the young bands where, why are we, I think one of the problems with our scene is I think we're getting old and I think mm -hmm. there's not a lot of young people coming mm -hmm. up in bands. I don't know, <clears throat> you know, it could be, could be people like me that now the young people want to be DJs or mm. be like record producers or whatever, because, you know, which is uh, cool too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's very cool, yeah. but it's a, you know, it's different and that infrastructure isn't here. Right. That's one of the, one of the reasons I am happy to be getting a little closer to oakland is because i'll be able to pick up more dj bookings yeah um but i i wonder like where are the bands with the people in their 20s what like why are we why why is this scene why is every year the scene's average age of the bands just goes up a year and it doesn't seem like i think the youngest band we ever had in here was first in flight and mm. they're you know they they uh they absolutely killed it by the way they they did such a good job on their marketing and promotion and then they i think they they all went you know kind of went their separate ways because their lives took them in different in different places and i'm just wondering like where's the next first in flight where the guys are guys and gals are well let's face it it's going to be all mostly guys it's the other problem in san jose um but it's where's the 25 year olds you know the 18 year olds yeah. probably aren't ready really to be gigging out they can't go yeah. to the bars or whatever and they're probably maybe not you know yeah. mature enough maybe to handle the uh interpersonal dynamics of a band but we're the 25 year olds mm. um I, i'm just i wonder that like all the yeah. time i mean i've definitely come across some really amazing talented younger kids in the past few years um you know whether it be in san jose at like sofa street fair and um you know i don't know if you some of the the kids in barely functional i think they're a little young uh, younger than us at least um and these these guys are amazing and gals and miss hits is another band that's been you know um making some waves too so i think the bands are there what i feel is the connectedness is lacking a little bit and and it's not from a lack of willingness the the willingness is there i think the 
space is difficult to navigate. Um, the physical space of Santa, not just San Jose, but the South Bay in general is just a, it's a difficult space to find a, you know, um, a common ground. And in my experience here, and that's what I was, I've been trying to say, I'm not saying it exactly how <laughs> I, I wish I could express it. Um, this is what I like about this new format, by the way, is it's, it makes it, it's, it's a little more, we're, it's a little more challenging to talk yeah, about things in this way. You're thinking through non-automated response. And the questions you're asking me are not the typical re questions that people often ask when we're with the band, you know, like, Oh, what's your next show? And uh, how did you guys get together? And all these questions that are, you know, I have the answer on deck for all, all of these, but the questions you ask, I think are really important because this is how you build, um, how you build the culture. This is because you you start to highlight the things that are working and maybe also shed light on some things that might not be working as well. And the only way to go forward and advance our music scene is if we move together in a common direction. And the only way to do that is to talk to each other, you know, through different means. So, so. the the other direction I wanted to go in is... <clears throat> San Jose, not just your music scene, but my music scene, DJs, Boys Club. Um, I feel like, and I feel like there's a few, a few women who have managed to punch, push through and be influential. You're certainly one of them. Um, also Queen of Cups over at Caravan is one of them. And uh, she, by the way, uh, one of the things we're going to talk about in the post game is going to be the difference between a gatekeeper and an enabler. She mm. is an enabler and not a gatekeeper. Yes. And but I'm just wondering oh. what what ha, what has your experience been like being? Uh, I would say probably, and you know, this might you know I might make you blush. This it's okay. The, I'm already the, red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it hides it hides the blushing. I think you're probably the most influential uh, woman in the San Jose oh. music scene right now. And but that's that's Thank a nice compliment. That, but I'm but... sure that comes with its own baggage in some ways and what is that what has that been like oh well thank you i think they we definitely have a lot of really incredible women in the scene and i i see that there's a lot more um camaraderie between us as well which has been wonderful but in the big in i'd say in the beginning of sweet haya i felt like maybe there was like two or three of us around, right? Like <laughs> female artists or female identifying artists in the San Jose music scene. And and we never ended up on bills together. It was really rare. I think maybe with Anya and the get down a few times until she had to to move, uh, she moved out um, down to LA to do music. And I think she's doing great down there, but it was like, we, we never got an a lot of opportunities to end up together in spaces where we could really talk about the struggles but i think there's different answers for that one is i got lucky that my bandmates were the incredible people they were because i don't i mean obviously they acknowledge that i'm a woman but um unlike some other people i was meeting around that time there was no um there was no What's the what's the way best way to say this is when I first started doing music, I felt like if you're a woman, that's your gimmick. 
Like it's a gimmick to be a woman in a band and that's how you're going to get the gig. Hey, let's get the band with the chick singer for that show or that show cuz we have a lineup of all guys. So we need we need the one band with the chick and because there weren't a lot of, you know, um and that's not necessarily just in San Jose, like when we were doing festivals and and playing outside the state even and even, you know, I would show up to a gig at a festival. It happened somewhere in Texas. Uh, I showed up and I had my gear and I was carrying everything. And and uh, and I got like pushed out of the green room, physically pushed. No, no, that's, you, you go over there. And I was like, excuse me. I'm like, I'm and my English is good enough. But sometimes prepositions or or uh, or like certain words I must say wrong and must be interpreted wrong, but I said, I'm with the band. And what I meant to say, I'm I'm traveling with the band because I'm in the band, right? And I said, I'm with the band. And they're like, no, you're not allowed in here. And what they meant is like, you know, bandmates, girlfriends aren't allowed in here. And I was like, no, no, I'm I'm a performer. And I had to like fight my way back into the green room to go hang out with my bandmates. And these types of experiences, you're like, what? Why did nobody even bother to ask me if maybe I'm a performer, you know? Um, and in this case, and, again, it's good that you have the bandmates that you have because they had your back. They always have. I didn't even have like, to ask. I wouldn't have been like, oh, did they have your back? Well, like, could no, you imagine exactly, asking no, that you, question? No, there was no. And yeah, I mean, the, from from the beginning, it was like, even though I'm I'm older than all of them, it's always been like little sister energy, like always protective in 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 a really respectful way yeah and not, like a non-condescending way non-condescending right? way like they know i can hold my own if i need to but um but you're stronger together but exactly and 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 i think it goes both ways um and i'm also there to tell them when they're doing stupid shit <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about that off off mic too you need those people in your life yes, no matter you who you are you're you're gonna do something stupid and it's better the better that you know they know and they would tell me too <laughs> but i think like these types of experiences you know and, and they weren't as as they weren't the 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 default thankfully but there there are the experiences that showed me that some people might treat me a little different because of that and you know just like when you're brown and you have you know features that differ from from you know uh the average cookie certain things come with that too you know i grew up like you said an immigrant but i didn't just grow up as an immigrant here i grew up as an immigrant in france i grew up as a, an egyptian with arabic traits physical traits in in france during a time and a place where there was a lot of racism. There was, I mean, there still is. You could see what's going on in France right now with the riots for that kid, um, Nahel, which is crazy too. He's got a really, a name very close to mine. And so that hits really hard when you see that, 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 that violence is still happening because of the way people look. And, and being a woman is like an added um, layer to, to um, an industry that wasn't always as... Um, as open-minded as as it's slowly trying to become i think there's still issues obviously but um i think it was it was like a, a lot of a lot of pressure also to feel like i have to rep women and i and i and i have to to speak out a lot of times for women about things that sometimes i'm like i, I just like i want to play the show and i want to like go home but I, I have to say something i can't just shut up when i hear certain extremely misogynistic comments you know in the green room or whatever and um not for my bandmates thankfully because i wouldn't have stayed with them if that was the vibe but you know you 
There's then, other people in the green room besides just your friends. Exactly. Yeah. Or at, at festivals, and somebody will like tap me on the shoulder. Oh, well, you know, because you're you're in a band with a bunch of guys. You're kind of one of the guys, you know. And I'm like, nah, I'm still a woman. And I, yeah, still I never I never have... thought of you as one of the guys. You're you're you are a, you are a very feminine woman. <laughs> and 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 I think that it was it was people trying to make me feel good about being a woman in 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 a very male dominant world but really it was also insulting saying right. like you have to be a bro to to fit into this this dynamic thankfully i am seeing that it is less and less that way and i haven't been coming across a lot of these types of issues with you know the the some of the amazing people that we work I think people with people learn and change right. and get better yeah and and part of it is because we we talk about it and and the change can only happen when, like I was saying earlier, you highlight the things that aren't working. Um, and yeah, well, one I, of the things that uh, <clears throat> I believe it was uh, G from Rebels Camp said when we were talking about how like women don't maybe feel comfortable or safe going out in San Jose. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of men there, yeah. and G said it, and it stuck with me. Uh, if you're at any of our shows and you're a woman and somebody's making you feel uncomfortable. He's Go find, find the bartender, find people yeah. in the band, find people who are in yeah. charge and they will, they will help you. We want you at the shows. Yeah. We don't want you to feel uncomfortable at our show. We don't want, we don't want you to tell your friends what happened to you. We want you, we want you to tell your friends, Hey, this guy was kind of perving on me or whatever. And I went and talked to the lead singer of the band and the lead singer of the band straightened, straightened this guy out. Or I love that. He said that. Yeah. And, uh, it just yeah. stuck with me that G said that. And yeah. he's like, you know, I wish I. You know, he's like, I have to have been at shows where this happened and I didn't know about it and I wish I could have helped. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're, if you're, especially in San Jose, because it gets called Man Jose for a reason, right? All the women go to Splash, right? Like, and that's, that's like I, supposed I to be where all the yeah. gay guys are, but they go there you because they're safe. safe. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, don't, you don't, and, you know, you go find one of the guys in one of the bands and they'll take care of you. You don't got to go find Nehal all the time. This isn't always her responsibility, but. But Nehal I got will, your back if you, you need. will take care yeah, of you. Yeah, I will. I used to do martial arts. So if you need me to take care of somebody for you. Is I that what Haya is from Sweet Haya? Is no, like Capoeira. The, Capoeira is a Brazilian martial art. No, but yes, I mean, but, oh, but is it like Haya? Like, haya? A, like, a, like a kick? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's that's how people remember it. But Haya is, is life in Arabic. Ah. Mm -hmm. Oh, sweet life. I think you've told me yeah, that before yeah. and I just forgot. Yeah, that's okay. Now, now, you know, now, um, I, now I do know, but, but I think also it is a wonderful time to be a woman in the music industry at the same time, because I feel like I have this opportunity to, um, to, to be a platform myself and the band to be a platform for others and to try and channel messages that are empowering to women, to girls, to, you know, like any female identifying person that might be struggling with some of the things that I'm struggling with, might have struggled with, think I might one day struggle with, or maybe just have compassion for. Because the cool thing about writing music is that, especially if you're, you're right, an independent writer that um, isn't getting paid to write, <laughs> let me add that. Um, like we write what we want and then People either like it or they don't, but people who choose to listen, I always write for them to come out with something. So uh, at least in the, in the last six to seven years, I've made a conscious choice in the lyrics that I, that I write, that I put together to perhaps have, you know, obviously we can commiserate a little bit together, talk about 
the stuff that sucks, you know, and um, I've, I've had some dark struggles in my life that I talk about in a lot of my songs. And my favorite part is coming out with some sort of, of light in the lyrics of a song, coming out with some sort of abstract solution. And I say abstract because I don't like writing something that's too specific that, um, that I, it, it, it might, it might not resonate with somebody that could have heard it in a different way and then it would have resonated. You know what I mean? Like when you over explain things sometimes, then oh, they as, make as a, less as, sense. As a man, if you could imagine, <laughs> I've had to learn maybe to stop explaining things sometimes, especially to uh, women. Did, did you know that? How, how did that realization come about for you? Uh, podcasting. Yeah. Oh. Uh, working with uh, the okay. media went versus being her friend. Oh. Yeah. Work and working with her, working uh-huh. with her on a project that we care about. It's not like you work together at a right. job, right. A, a job. It's your it's, passion. It's working on a project yeah. that we care about. Yeah. And, you know, she would say things every once in a while. Like, and I don't think I'm speaking out of turn or she, she would be mad. She's like, do you think I just walk around here and don't pay attention to what's going on? <laughs> I, I love that. She said that. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh shit. Oh, she pays attention. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it, you know, you, you, you learn stuff from, yeah. from that and it's, you know, and, and exactly. And that's, that's amazing that you took that as an opportunity to grow and learn from it. And, you know, I, I'm, not a motivational speaker or a life coach. I'm not, you know, I'm not certified to, to help <laughs> in, 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 a, you know, in any way that's, you know, therapeutic, I'd say, but I do think that music has therapeutical powers and it is a superpower to have an opportunity to put things into a language that can un- be understood by, by billions of people around the world and you never know what that song might do to somebody, what, how it might affect somebody. And, you know, and, and particularly with, like you were saying, you know, with, with um, the way things can be explained sometimes uh, to women, for women, to girls, for girls, when they're growing up and like, this is how you're supposed to behave and this is how you're not supposed to behave and you're supposed to look more like this and less like that and you're not graceful enough and you're not this enough and you hear these things enough times you 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 don't even realize they've become or, a part of your you, identity you know what the worst one is you're not sexy enough or you're too frumpy like i like I, you don't I, smile I, enough you know oh yeah yeah and, and it's in in the yeah. workplace right oh, it's it's yeah. it, and well it, now you can sue easily for that right know? right well if it's but, overt like that yeah, sure but if yeah. it's if people are talking behind right. your back and you find out about it that's that's different yeah, which happens yeah. it does it does yeah you're right you're you know? absolutely right and uh that, that you know i'm not big into tv but the a lot of people that would watch that show mad men don't understand that that's what mad men was about mm, was about i've never watched it but it's 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 literally about like women entering the workforce in the marketing in like these big marketing companies yeah. and that's, you know people are like oh i love this guy and i'm like that's the bad guy you idiot <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, with perspective uh, we, though it's yeah, um it's- I think maybe we could take a little break here. And um, yeah. one of the things I, I'm going to play this, the, this uh, can't get comfortable because this was the first time that I heard you in your lyrics be a little less abstract about what you meant about the yeah. world around right. you. And yeah. um, I think I remember, I think that maybe six months to a year before you wrote this, I think we, we had you on during the first round of um, uh, black lives matter protests and you said that you were, you know, working on a couple songs that were going to be a little more overt about mm. 
uh, referencing your experience as an immigrant and as a brown person. And I think this is probably the song that came out of that, or at least the song that came out of it that's most uh, overt and uh, unambiguous yeah, about that you're right. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, this is uh, Can't Get Comfortable by Sweet Haya, and uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Please look away. If my curls 
I just did the funniest thing. I just told Nahel that her uh, song is almost over. Like, <laughs> she doesn't know her own song. I'm like, hey, no, your song's like, almost over. <laughs> hey, I could have been on the wrong chorus, you know, so. <laughs> well, this is, you know, I'm, I'm glad that that I was able to, that well, that we're still able to uh, do this sort of format of interview with you because I have this is something I've been thinking about for a while because you've kind of alluded to some of the things that we've been saying here, but the not just that your band's here and that's not a problem, but there was also kind of a party environment uh, uh, for local love, which I, I got to tell you, I don't miss. I mean, it, it's it, the, the chaos made it kind of hard to put out like a, a good product. Mm. And I feel like, you know, now I feel like local love's a bit of a better product. And, you know, shout out to everybody who was always around, like uh, Juan Maserati was always around for local love. Chip DeVille was doing the hosting for a while. Yeah. Media Wench was doing hosting for a while. Whoop. And, uh, you know, that was a lot of fun. And it was, you know, I learned, I think I learned how to deal with adversity during the broadcast. And now, like, I'm unflappable because of some of the shit that happened during local love. <laughs> Uh, I, re- I remember I was having a hard time keeping up with you guys and it was so fun. But I remember being like, I'm tapped out. It's been like four hours. Everybody's drinking and partying. I'm, like, I'm losing my voice. I got to sing tomorrow. But it, it was fun. And I think it was a great way to bond, you know, within our community and connect with, you know, the people behind the mic, you guys. And, and through that, I feel like we've been able to build kind of a a family, you know, a local love family that's really wonderful because obviously, you know, it's fun to party and it's fun and it's and it's fun to just kind of um stay on the lighter side of things, but for me personally, I'm only ever able to get to the deeper, harder conversations when I'm, you know, connected to a human being. And and being connected to a human being doesn't necessarily mean You've known them for 10, 20 years. It just means that there's something that that ties you guys and not necessarily it doesn't have to be a party, but it's, you know, a common goal or a common um, uh, purpose. And I think that that's what local love has given in our community and um, coming back by myself, you know, without without the bands and without the guys, I feel their energy always with me and I'll always rep them. But I feel like I'm able to talk to you in a way that I didn't get to the past five times we've been on here, like you said, because you strip away a little bit of that like fun, wild side of things. Plus, I'm not performing also, and I'm sitting down with no instrument, and I'm not singing. And it's not live. It's, we, nobody's managing the chat. Exactly. Like nothing, you know, and You'll, all that stuff's totally fun. Yeah. But it's it's this this is this is definitely a a bit more intimate. It's a bit more intimate, and I think people just are gonna you know like be more likely to share this with their friends. I think within your community, than you know, even the last time we, we, we had you on, that was, that was a blast. That was so fun. That was so fun. Yeah. But I think this is going to be shared around more, but for a completely different reason. Cause maybe some of your, some of the band's fans are going to learn some things about you that they didn't know. And that, would, and I wanted to learn some things about you that I didn't know too. Like, well, thank you. Like, thank you for like having how to, me. How to say your last name that I've read a million times. And never said <laughs> nobody knows. Nobody knows. Cause I say it in Arabic and I, I should try to find a way that's practical for English speakers, but then it ends up sounding like abuelata, like in Spanish, but it's not. So I, I just say it. Nihel abuelata. That's what it is. I'm sorry. So, uh, don't sorry, be, not sorry. Yeah, don't, <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to be sorry about your name no. here. What what I have a really hard time with is people not trying with my first name, and it's two syllables, Nihel, Nihel, and 
Sometimes I have people correct me. Oh, you mean Nahal? No, I didn't that, say that. that. I think that's how I've said it. And you corrected me and I wasn't like, what are you talking about? I never corrected you though. Like if I corrected you, you would have gotten it. Yeah. But when when somebody insists that my name is Nahal or Nahal or Neil or, you know, I, I try to nicely correct them. And then they say, what? What? Like shocking face, you know? Why is it a problem that I'm asking you to say my name right? It's not that hard. It's two syllables. And I used to tell people, oh, you know, like trying to make them feel better so that they can get my name right. And I'd show them my knee, like knee and hell, you know, <laughs> bad knee. And everybody laughed. And I, as somebody who went through two knee surgeries, it wasn't funny for me anymore. And, and I didn't want to continue giving that reference to people because I don't want it to be my identity. You know, I've like struggled super hard with my, my, my knee health for, for over a decade. Um, somebody who loves and, to dance as part of the performance, it had to be the first time like that you... It must have been terrifying the first time that you realized something was wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, did you, were you at the Blanket Show when that happened? No. Uh, yeah. That was the second knee, knee injury I had. But the blank Show was probably one of the more traumatic experiences I've ever had on stage because I was, I was just jumping and dancing. And it was one of the last blank Shows we ever did. That's why they shut it down. Just gonna, um, and I was just jumping up and down and I landed on a cable wrong and my knee went one way and my foot went the other way and I just like collapsed on stage. But I was like, the truth about life is... <laughs> and the, the irony was that we were singing, I was singing the truth about life, um, which is, uh, if, if you've ever heard that song, it's, it's, uh, it's quite um, a roller coaster. But, and I remember just sitting on the side of the stage and, and finishing the song my parents at the time didn't come to a lot of shows. They happened to have come to that show. Oh no, they were probably scared for my, you. My mom did not enjoy seeing that. It's probably super traumatic for her seeing that. And I just went straight to the hospital after the show. I did finish the set. I felt pretty good about that. But, um, well, but know, yeah, the, so they say the show must go on. The although, show must go on all the way to although, Kaiser. <laughs> although, 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 in re although in retrospect, the, the, the wiser thing to have done might have been to immediately seek medical attention, right? Probably. Although we had a show the next day, so I went, it was a private show. It was one of our first private gigs and we were getting paid pretty good money for it. And I was like, I can't let the guys down. And so I had this brace from my thigh all the way to my ankle. It was like a huge brace. And I had to, and I played keys at that show and I just sat at the keys, which if you knew me, you don't I, do ne that. I never sit down at a show. I was always on, uh, I was standing even when I'm playing keys and I was just sitting on the keys. I had my leg raised <laughs> and I asked somebody to get me ice during the set probably. Cause it was like a two, three hour thing. Um, we're playing, I think, an anniversary party or something. It was funny. I remember Devin picking me up when I was on my crutches that day on the way to the show. And I get in the car <laughs> and he plays the Beatles. Help, I need somebody help. <laughs> and I just remember like, I was probably still on drugs, too, because of the pain, you know. Uh, and at that, in that moment, I was like, it's going to be all right. Like, I got my bandmates. I got my brothers. They take... They're going to take care of me. All I got to do is just sit through the show, survive, sing. And I did quite a few shows like that, sitting down with my brace until I had my surgery. Um, and then actually it ended up being a great situation where I, um, I did a lot of cleansing in my life during that time and ended up, um, ended up writing backwards with Devin. That song came from that time. And, it, you know, the song starts with, you may never walk backwards, right? Um, and that that was, that was a pretty obvious, uh, like, nod to not being able to walk at all for a while. Yeah, that, <clears throat> I think that might have been the, 
the first like thing I like, you know, like when you, you hear a band and you're like, okay, this band is pretty good. And then like their last song, like the hair on your arm stands up or whatever that, that was, that, that might be like when I was like, okay, okay. This, this band is the bit, but I can't be the only one who's ever said something similar to that, like to that, to you. Oh, we've, we've, I think for backwards specifically, you mean, yeah. um, I think backwards has had a lot of meaning for a lot of people and we've received such positive um, uh, feedback on that track. And I think it was, it's, it was because it was super unfiltered. You know, I think the song itself is unfiltered. We went with like a happy ish sounding instrumental. Like I remember Devin just playing this super happy tune on his uh, acoustic guitar when he came over to my place when I was in recovery and, and, uh, and just being like, I really want to sing on that. And I remember the lyrics that came out were all about like the pain and suffering, but I thought it was funny and, and, you know, putting such contrasting lyrics on something that sounded. That's a a big theme in disco music. That's why I love disco. Oh, I love disco too. I love love disco. disco. I love your disco ball right there, but it's behind the camera. It's bigger than the one that was uh, here when you were here, but now I'm moving this small room in the disco balls. Probably, I'm probably going to have to replace it with a smaller one again. Oh, but uh, yeah, I never, I never, I didn't know that about backwards that it, that you had written it while you were, um, you know, unable to walk, which is makes, yeah, makes the first, you may never walk backwards. You might've been thinking that, Yeah. but now that's, it's, I'm so glad that you've recovered because like dancing and you know, just being active on stage is just such a big part of seeing you guys live. Mm. There's other, there's other bands that are really good, but there's, they're not, they don't do that. And that's not everybody's style. I'm not, you know, I'm not here saying that everyone has to do right, that Yeah. because it's, like, like I'm a, I'm a DJ and you'll catch me sometimes where I'm just kind of, just kind of grooving out and you'll, I'll catch me sometimes where I'm like jumping on the speakers and shit during my stage, like at a, you know, if the speakers are big enough to jump on and it's, so <laughs> the it's stage like, is big enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if, if it's the right kind of event for that. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, not, you know, not everybody can do that. Not everybody can turn that on every time. And I imagine I imagine that there have been times where you've been kind of tired and had to uh, consciously turn that on for your performance. Yeah. Because you, you work full time too. So, right. There's, yeah. I think physically it's almost easier like to be like, okay, my body hurts, but I, 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 I need to move. If I'm in a good place mentally, it's harder for me mentally if I'm not in a good place to get my body to do that because um, for me, dancing usually is just a direct translation of joy. However, what I have found is that even if I'm not in a good place, if I start moving my body and, 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 you know, moving it to the, whatever song we're playing and I don't choreograph much, but if I really start to feel it in a non artificial way, you know, not just like, let me try to find the beat, you know, but just really like, let me vibe to the music, the vibration that is being created around me. Not well, the just crowd by me, helps like, too. And the essence of the crowd. Exactly. When you see people just oscillating and smiling and they came for you, they specifically took time out of their day to come and see you perform. Um, first of all, they don't want to see you crying and frowning and like, they don't care. You had a bad day. I mean, people care because they're good people, but, if I pay to go watch a show, I hope that the person on stage isn't, you know, going to be 
um, transferring hella negative energy onto me because that's not fair for your audience. Um, so I think mentally what I've learned is that even if I'm not feeling good, the moment I step on stage and start moving and, and when I start singing, I'm also in a different place. I can heal myself for a moment, even if it's just for that show. And maybe I'm just going to feel good for the hour, two hours, whatever, however long the set is. And maybe I'll be in a better place for that time. And and I think that's become that's become a part of my my identity on stage is that like if I'm not moving, if I'm not grooving, that some that means something's not quite OK. And and I have the power to do something about it. Yeah, they you know, dancing does make you feel good. That's one of the reasons to dance. Is right. Because it you know, if you already feel good and then you start dancing, you're just gonna feel better. But if you're in kind of a funk yeah. and then you actually you start dancing because you're feeling the music, yeah. you 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 for you almost forget that you were in a bit of a funk. And then, you know, that's, that's the downside of that. And it's it's happened to me both possibly as a result of the use of uh, MDMA. <laughs> But also just sometimes you go out and you dance all night and you wake up and you're just, it just you just crash yeah. like either, either emotionally, physically, or both. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah. you're just like, man, I'm glad it's Sunday. <laughs> yeah. And you just need your body rest, your mental rest. Yeah. 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 That's like one of the, you know, cause we are other, our other shows, we talk about some pretty terrifying and, uh, you know, trauma, traumatic kind of stuff. And a lot of people ask me, you know, how do you deal with this? And I'm like, well, when I was working full time, I kind of didn't. Um, but now that I'm able to do this more or less full time, I am uh, able to just sleep. I just make sure I just, if I like, if I'm up till two or three in the morning streaming or after I stream, sometimes I can't quite, you know, get to bed right away. If I wake up at nine, I'm like, no. And I force myself to go back. Good job. To, to you got to take care sleep. of yourself. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, oh. and it's my mom, my body's fine. Right. But I know that like, I know that like my mind isn't going to, um, recover yeah. without yeah. without the sleep and yeah. so it's you know sometimes it's a little struggle to get back to sleep but even if i'm like falling in and out of sleep for a couple hours or whatever it's like really helpful and a lot of people like when i give that answer they 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 seem to think that i'm lying or that that's not what i do but i mean i you know i try to take try to take a bike ride every day and you know just other stuff like get outside and keep moving know. yeah but yeah, no, absolutely i i used to just pack up too much in in my days and my weeks especially on the weeks where, you know, great things were happening. And so you're feeling all that good energy. And then you just overbook yourself to the point where it's, it's, um, it's unhealthy, you know, because especially if you're an, an artist, a performer who shares their art, it, you get to a point where you are too depleted to, to be present in that experience and I feel like that's a waste. That's a that's a wasted opportunity. And so sometimes now, at the beginning of my week, I'll look at my schedule. I'm like, okay, this week I got one, two, three. You know, last week or the week before last, I had five shows in a week, and with all three <laughs> bands. Um, and I I knew it was too much. I knew it was too much, but I had committed, and you know, we were we were we were getting paid for these shows. I didn't want to back out. I don't I don't like to do that. But I knew it was too much. And so I looked at my social calendar and made some adjustments. And I said, it sucks, but I'm going to have to say no to seeing some friends or I'm going to have to maybe not uh, run this or that or errand. And I'm going to be less productive from a you know functional human being standpoint, but I'm going to be on point at my shows. And I was minus stomping my knees so much that my knees have been hurting for a week, but I'm better now. <laughs> um, 
but I think it's it's those decisions. And I think that and I encourage everybody that's listening to this, that if you think that you're overextending yourself, you probably are because that's your brain telling you you need to take care of yourself. You need to rest so that you don't burn out. You don't fall into a cycle of depression. You don't you know, and I, I know I'm prone to that. I'm very, very prone to depression. So it's important for me to take care of my physical body and to also pause when I feel overwhelmed. Um, and ever since I started being more conscious of that, you know, like it still happens, you know, the, the good old friend comes around once in a while, but I know how to deal with it in a, in a less destructive fashion. Um, and also and decreasing drinking helped a lot too. <laughs> yeah, like for a while, like, yeah. like when the pandemic first hit, I was drinking too. Oh, so much. many of us. Yeah, we went in. We'd get the Carlo Rossi, you know, like the gallons, oh, top of the line wine. <laughs> Austin would be proud of me for mentioning that. Um, but what I what I realized is like, so I was like when the pandemic hit, I had nothing to do but kind of stream, and I was streaming every night. Mm. And I, yeah. But I was streaming by myself, and when you when I was doing that with friends, I was drinking less just because there was you know company, com- yeah, company, and it uh, was, and I I imagine that as I was starting to do that every night and starting to have that be sort of what I was doing and like having you know new people show up and the the channel started to grow. I imagine that that I was in some way maybe masking some kind of uh, anxiety or insecurity about the the the, yeah. the product that was going out with the drinking and um. We have a joke now in chat that when I actually actually get drunk, like if I you know if I accidentally drink too much, that's gay Steve, and gay Steve's kind of an asshole. <laughs> I feel like I've met him once. Yeah, yeah, you, oh, you probably have. You probably. But have. you're always so sweet. So yeah, I don't yeah. Know. But um, but it's you know for me um you know you were talking about depression and I wonder if for me because of you know how we're how we're raised differently as men and women for me that manifests as like anger and like kind of hostility and like passive aggressive like sort of behavior and that's i if i start feeling that urge that's like one of the red flags for me that it's like hey we you need to you need to slow the fuck down so it's good go- that you have flags you know yes. to tell you like this is, this is the time because some people don't have that that moment of realization ever you know and it, and the switch is so quick to happen that it gets them into trouble yeah um, yeah you you end up you know in my case you know i maybe ended up being rude or short with someone when there was no no good reason to do it it was just because yeah. i was overextended right and uh you know i do want to acknowledge that not everyone you know would, when we talk about you know i'm me being able to sleep till noon if i want to or right. you being yeah. able to you know cancel a few things we do we do talk about this from a bit of privilege right because there are people working three jobs out right. there that don't have a fucking choice right and they have like three or four kids and they're still trying to to have a, a a healthy life, you know, balance with their partners, their spouses, or yeah. So yeah, so just being able to have even just a just a, yeah. even a small amount of choice around yeah, that stuff is right. a, is a privilege and a deliverance. Right. And uh, you know, I when I when I find myself sleeping till one, I do like I do like wake up, and sometimes I'm like, you know what, this is actually pretty fucking cool. And there's just a lot of people that can't do this. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I, it's good to, to appreciate those things, you know, even when you're, and, and I, I've started doing that even in my darker days. I feel like I'm still able to say, Hey, you know, I can, I, today I have the day off and I can sit here on the couch and cuddle with my dog, you know, maybe go have, have a boba with Austin or something and, and, 
and talk about things or not talk about things. Go hang out at a park, like you're saying, it's, it's a luxury to have t- t- to be able to create that time for yourself. And and sometimes it's a it's also a it's also a, a sort of um, sacrifice too, because sometimes that means I'm also not going to take a gig, you know, because I know I need that that mental space or that um, that that physical rest. And sometimes not taking the gig means a little bit less cash coming in, you know. And the Bay Area is becoming ridiculously expensive to live in. You know, used to be able to buy like a sandwich at Lee Sandwiches for like five dollars, and now you, you pay thirteen dollars. I mean, it's still bomb, but yeah, uh, it's a, it's a, you know, check out Lee's Sandwiches. It is, it yeah, is, it is pretty it's so good. good. It's a San Jose institution. Yeah, but I, but I mean, it's 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 more than double the price now, and that, and that's the case with with everything. So our standard of living is 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 kind of um, uh, changing rapidly, and yet we, you know, we still have to. Like we have the same needs we did ten years ago, but just less time. Um, so I think there, you know, being able to find a balance and being appreciative for what you have is always is always the best way to be present. But also, you know, it's something my husband's really good at reminding me. Like it's not because you have um, you have more or or than somebody else, or you're in a better place, or physically in a better shape you know less health issues than somebody else that that it invalidates your human suffering and i think people should also remember that because if you're not feeling good and you're in a in a bad place it doesn't really matter that the rest of the world's bad or and that other people are are, are you know struggling with worse issues it means that you have to address your issues it means you have to take care of yourself so that you can also help others um but i think it's it's a fine balance like don't be a horrible human being, but also don't be horrible to yourself. You right. There's a, there's a difference there's, between selfishness and self-care, right? Yeah. There's a yeah. big difference there. And I think a lot of, a lot of people, and I think, I mean, maybe it's, maybe a, a lot of, a lot of women, especially mothers have been, have been, you know, convinced that self-care is selfish. Mm. I, I, you know, I think about my own mother and like, like what she did when we were growing up and I didn't see. I didn't see a lot of self care until she made it a priority for herself. When mm-hmm. I think it was when me and my sister got old enough that we could mind our mind our mind our own business to some extent, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, I I think that I don't you know I don't think that it's not a problem for men. I just think it manifests in different ways based on how we were how we were raised and what the expectations are of us from society. So I think with that, we're going to go ahead and end the uh, podcast part of the show. But if you don't mind sticking around for a little post game for my patrons and members over at eplex.store, maybe things will get a little spicier. (laughs) Thank you so much. No, 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 no kissing though. No kissing. I'm gay and you're, you're married. So (laughs) (laughs) once again, where's the, the where's the, where's the best place for people to find all things Nihel? (laughs) Nihel. All things Nihel. I like that. Um, you know, my brother had made me a nihelsworld.com uh, website a long time ago, but I, if you go on it, I don't think there's anything right now. But um, sweethaya.com um, is is a good place to go see what we're up to. Um, and we're playing a ton of shows in July and August, a lot of them in San Jose. So if you want to come on out and support, we'd be super grateful. And then Grace and the Grit, all in one word, um, .com, Grace and the Grit and nihel and austin we have a facebook and an instagram um nihel is n-e-h-a-l and austin um my partner in life and in music 
and amour de scène that's a little bit harder because it's in french but it's a m o u r like amour love de scène d e and then scène s e i n e and we are also on instagram and and all that but um yeah and we'll have links thank to you. we'll have links to all that in the show notes on youtube and thank on, you on, on, and on thank you everybody for listening i'd love to know what you thought and thank you dave oh my god there's a really cute dog hello baby i sorry distracted Everybody, thanks for uh, listening to Local Love. Hi. And of course, patrons and members at e- yeah. patrons and members at eplex.store. You'll get the uh, post game of this. And um, thanks for joining us. Oh, and we had mentioned Boomers by Periscope. People who are usual yeah. regulars to my channel have heard this song a million times and still love it.
Echoplex has a 24-hour stream? That's right. Check out our 24-7 music stream at echoplexmedia.com live or at eplex.xyz. Our huge self-submitted local music library plays the best tunes the Bay Area has to offer, ad and commercial free, well, except for ours, and even by request. Check out the player on echoplexmedia.com or at eplex.xyz. Bookmark it and enjoy it all day. Echoplex is very supportive of our local music scene, and we hope you enjoy the soundtrack they've so graciously sent in for us to play on our network. If you like who you hear, please go check them out. The names of the artists are displayed on the player at echoplexmedia.com and at eplex.xyz.